Good morning, Scott's Edition. And the men and women at Chesterfield County Jail, we love you. Love you. Well, we're in a mini-series called Generous, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But I always love to look in the back of the room at the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond. In Scott's edition, we love you. We love what God's doing in the heart of the city. We had an amazing first Wednesday as well in Scott's edition, so good morning to you. And, of course, our people, not a project, but our people in Chesterfield County Jail, we love you to the men and women in Harp. Good morning. Merry Christmas. How's everybody feeling today? Good? Glad to have you here. Welcome to the chapel. Let me just remind you, we keep reminding you, we're going to just keep reminding you and keep reminding you. I'm telling you, next week and Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve, all the services we have coming, they are, I think, one of the best times of the year to invite somebody. And um, our team's been working very hard. It's going to be an elegant Christmas. How often have you heard me say that? Almost never. But uh, the, the music a little different. It's just going to be, I mean, I, it's, I'm more excited about this one than ever before. And so uh, use this opportunity. We have 10, um, 10 different times to pick from starting next Sunday morning. We're kind of switching it and starting them early to make space for everyone. So next Sunday morning, all the Christmas services will begin. And uh, we got three experiences and, and then one in Scott's edition next weekend. And then uh, don't forget Friday, Saturday, all that kind of stuff. So RSVP, help us promo on social media. It's going to be an incredible time in the life of our church. And the man, we had an incredible first Wednesday. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a second. But um, we, I, I sort of think at the end of the year, we're in the middle of this generosity push towards Christmas mission, where we think about touching hearts that are hurting and reaching people that have never heard. And it really all flows out of the heart of Jesus, who, who when he saw people come to him with needs, one man with leprosy said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus Jesus, because he had compassion on people, reached out, touched this man, and changed his life. How many know compassion makes a difference, right? Compassion. In fact, the Greeks in the in the ancient world saw the word compassion as like the seed of pity, the heart that was moved, that sees the brokenness of our world and 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 wants to do something about it. And uh, one of the things I love about this church is we're a church that exists not just for ourselves, but for the community around us and the world. And that's one of the things that that uh, if you're new here, that's one of the things that drives the heartbeat of our church. It's a, it's a passion of ours to not just be about us, but be about helping other people and making a difference. We always say, man, if our church wasn't here, would it just make an impact on Sunday mornings or would our community feel the loss, right? Have, have we made a dent in our city, in our community, in this county, in this greater metro Richmond area because of what God's done in the life of our church? And so compassion and heartache, heart, uh, a heart for the community around us is something that drives our church. And, and Jesus had this kind of heart for people. The Bible says that when he was teaching and preaching and proclaiming the good news and healing diseases. He'd see crowds of people. He saw crowds of people and he had what? Compassion on them. And I think one of the ways that we have compassion is when we see the needs of people around us. When we see, how many know you got to have eyes to see the needs, right? And so I want to, that's my job this weekend to kind of review a little bit of some of the ways that we made a difference this past year and cast some vision and ask God to open our eyes to see the needs around us. I'm going to kind of rattle the cage a little bit 
today and, and ask God to speak to us in a, in a big way. Is that okay, everybody? Like, like just, just remind us. And here's why I do it this time of year, why we do it as a team. We pray about it, think about it, plan. Because we're just so concerned that this time of year, if we're not careful, it becomes all about us. <laughs> and all about again, commercialism and cookies and parties and, and here we go and buying gifts. And none of that's wrong. We're, we're not a bah humbug kind of church. In fact, somebody told me Santa will be at one of the Christmas services next weekend. So uh, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, there's more to this season than just buying another crummy gift. How many know that gift just going to end up in the back of your closet in three years? How many know every new shirt becomes an old shirt that you say, why did I get that? Come on. And, and so this time of year is about reminding ourselves that it's not just about us and the commercialism of giving and receiving. It's about seeing the needs of our world, having compassion. Jesus said, because he knew that people didn't have direction. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering aimlessly and not sure where to go. And so we want to share some vision this weekend about how, how to have a heart to see, to see what God is doing, to have a heart to see the needs in the world around us and, and to have have a heart to want to make a difference in the world around us and we and we see the needs around us it makes all the difference in the world and so I want to show you a few things and celebrate some things that God's done in the life of our church in fact we did this a little bit first Wednesday if you I would just ask you if you hadn't if you weren't here go back on YouTube and watch the service because we got to celebrate what God's doing in the life of Chesterfield County Jail and it was so fun to not, not only hear some of the great stories of life change from people in our own church but also the sheriff brought two, uh, two inmates that are currently in the jail to, sh to share uh, what God's doing in their life, streaming the services, and we got to celebrate. And we're planning something for the month of January that we've never done at Chesterfield County Jail. Do you want to hear it? Well, I can't tell you because I haven't been given clearance to do that, but you're going to love it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you January 15th. Come on. I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, January 15th. So you're, you're going to want to not miss it, but I want to just kind of open our eyes for the next few minutes. And let me give you a scriptural basis, sort of lay a foundation here this weekend. And it comes from John chapter four, um, Jesus is traveling and he stops in Samaria and he, there he encounters a woman at the well. How many remember this story, right? And in fact, he uh, he changes her life completely. She, she He says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, that's because you've been married a bunch of times and the guy you're living with is not your husband. And she actually says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Like, man, you read my mail, you know, and, and Jesus changes her life. And it's amazing. His disciples return and they're surprised to find him talking to the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Meaning they, they don't, they're surprised, but they don't have the intuition and the spiritual discernment to ask Jesus what he's doing. And the woman leaves her water jar and she goes back to the town. Look at this. And she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? I Meaning her life's being changed. How many are grateful that God can forgive sin? Anybody grateful for that, right? Like, come see a man who knows everything I've ever done, and there's still grace for me, right? In fact, somebody says that in the text, she's married five times, she's with the sixth man, and Jesus is in the Bible, uh, six is the number of man, Jesus is the seventh man in her life, and Jesus is trying to say this, you've tried to find fulfillment through all different human relationships, but Jesus Christ alone can offer fulfillment to our, to our lives. And, and so she, she's amazed, she's overwhelmed, this is incredible, God's changing her life, 
outside. In fact, the whole town hears about it, and they make their way out to meet him. I want you to see this. The woman's, her life's changed, and the whole city, they're all in a big crowd, like, all the whole town, right? Just walking out like a whole mess of people to hear about Jesus. What could Jesus do to change a life? I can't believe this. And I want you to see the disciples' response. A woman's life changed, a whole city revival going along, and his disciples urged him, Rabbi, we need to go to Panera. How many think they just don't get it? Come on. Like, like what? The whole city's being changed, and they're like, we haven't eaten. We haven't eaten. We ha-. So Jesus tries to get a hold of them. Guys, you're missing it. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Guys, wake up. It's not about the food. I have food to eat you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could somebody, they're still talking about the food. Well, maybe somebody brought them food. Can we get food? Guys, it's not about the food. I, I, I got food, spiritual food. Well, who brought them? These, what about the food? We used to have ham. Come on, where is it? You know, and there. How many know they miss it? How many know we miss it a lot of times when we focus on our needs instead of the needs around us? And I want you to see Jesus' response. He said, "My will is to do the uh, uh, the will of God who sent me." Don't say this four months and then the harvest. Look at this. I tell you, open. Come on, open your what? Open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for harvest. You're saying in one day we're going to do this. I'm telling you to open your eyes. Here's my goal. Open your eyes. I just want to see our eyes open to see the needs of the world around us. In fact, as our team, we're reprogramming a whole part of our church this year. Uh, Wednesday night, so many people said, man, I didn't realize all the things that was happening with, with Joel and Wendy Hughes and the prison ministry here at the church. And, and so I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I hear we welcome Chesterfield County Jail, but I didn't know, I didn't know it all. And so as a church, we, as a team, we just decided we're going to change something next year. And we're actually preparing a, a, a new ministry we're going to roll out called Kingdom Builders, where we just, we report back to you in a better way all the things we see God doing through the different ministries. Because we said so many things are happening, but we're not telling the stories well enough. And so we're actually going <laughs> to, we're going to prepare four reports every year, a report from church, a report. Come on, somebody, a report. Now this doesn't excite some of you. Where are the people that you like a report? Come on, we're going to do a report. If you want it, if you don't want it, you don't have to get it. But four reports a year that we just tell the stories, the stories, the stories of what God's doing. Because we just got convicted as a team. We're not telling enough story. God's doing all these stories, but we're not telling the story. We want to tell. How many know there's power in a story of a life change? There's just power in that. And so we want to help us see. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. You don't have eyes. You're not seeing the needs around us. I think we'll never feel responsible for what we cannot see. We'll never reach what we cannot see. So my job here this weekend is just to share a little bit of the story of what we see God doing in the lives of people, right? What we see God doing. And I I need a whole long amount of time to share all the stories this weekend, but I'm going to do it in the next 17 minutes and then share a verse and be done. Okay, how many believe I can do that? Probably not. It'll take a couple more, but here we go. I made just a list of some of the missions that you've been so generous to sow into. And the first thing you saw us share was the jail ministry. And there's a whole group of people who, come on, give us a shout out over here on this side. Love you guys. and Love what God's doing. And, and uh, 
we got to hear Norm's story, Norm Sr.'s story and Norm Jr.'s story of God changing his life. Norm, share, you got to watch it on YouTube, but I'll give you my, the Cliff Notes version. Better part of 60 years in and out of uh, jail, and, and yet God's done a work in his life since 2019. And, and not only did that extend in his life, but in his son's life, who got out of jail in July and wanted to be baptized, but waited because we were going back in July 26th, and Norm Sr. and Norm Jr., we all went back into Chesterfield County Jail July 26th this past summer i'll never forget i'll never forget the day that uh norm baptized his son the he, norm painted a bunch of that jail when he was in it and uh I'll never forget the day of walking in there and seeing Norm baptize his own son. Generations change for the glory of God. Come on, somebody give God praise for that, right? Like lives change and lives change and the difference God makes and what he's doing every day there and the stories of life change and we're so honored to do that and we're going to roll out some new fun things God's doing brand new things there in the jail and so thankful for the ministry we get to partner there and all kinds of local missions like third Thursday uh, street outreach where we feed the homeless right, right there in the middle of Richmond and bless them with a meal and serve day in Scott's edition where we took over down Town Richmond. In fact, I can't even believe what they let us do in Scott's Edition for Fall Fest. They let us shut a bunch of the streets down, and they actually took uh, wagon rides with hay. I want you to picture all the condos and the cool, come on, hipsters of urban, and all of a sudden the chapel, we got a hay ride. Anybody want a hay ride up in here? How many think that's cool? Isn't that cool? Just serve the community fall fest and just, just bless the local businesses and make a difference there in the local schools. And then so overwhelmed at what the Lord's done in Chapel in Espanol. Pastor Ismail and his family, his daughter Gabby, been a part of Chapel students, English speaking. And they have this Spanish speaking Sunday morning small group that needed a space. And all of a sudden we started praying and dreaming together. What could we do to be one church? Right now we're one church in multiple locations but all in one language, okay? And we said, well, what could we do together to partner together? And so we're planning in January, same sermon series, same church, different language, and and, and Pastor Ismail, campus pastor there, to open, come on, chapel in Espanol in January and February. Uh, so amazed by this. In fact, in fact, they're having some services already. We'll tell you the location in January and February as we kind of go public with this. But I want to just, can I show you a minute of their worship Come on, put it up on the screen. Chapel in Espanol. Come on, clap with me. Here we go. give it up. I was standing there a few weeks ago when they were singing and I thought, I don't know what they're singing, but I sort of do. 
Like, I don't, I don't know what they're singing, but I sort of do, you know. And so uh, we're part of that. In fact, I want to just thank you because of your generosity in Christmas mission. We got, they needed chairs in the space. And so we just delivered, because of your generosity, Chapel, a whole room of brand new chairs. And... Uh, and I'm just, I'm just, I just want to stand here and thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity and what God's going to do. Chaplain Espanol, that means chaplain Spanish. And we're just believing God to do great things in that ministry. And, and these things, jail ministry, chaplain Espanol, these were not, I wish they were good ideas we thought of. I wish I could stand up here and say, you don't know how smart we are. But, but they were just totally God sending the right leaders at the right. How many would rather be a part of something God's blessing than man is making happen, right? Like, and so we're just thankful for that, excited about what God's doing there. And not only have you made a difference locally, but nationally and globally because of your generosity. We partner with three new church plants in Thrive City in uh, New York, and then uh, Story Church in uh, Orlando, Florida, and then Right outside of Baton Rouge, we got um, Purpose Church with Pastor Dusty. And, and it's been amazing to see the growth of these churches in the last year. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Ben Tubbs from uh, Thrive City in Syracuse, New York. Which, by the way, if you were to study Syracuse, New York, they are 2.9% evangelical Christian. Which means if we were making a list of unreached people groups in the world, a city in our own country in the Northeast would make that list. And they had their biggest Sunday ever last week. He called me. He said, I can't believe it, Pastor. Oh, we had 125. This church only been open six months, seven months. We had 125 people worshiping Jesus in a place that needs more churches. Just so thankful for your generosity. Not only that, nations all over the world were in 30 different nations because of your generosity. And I just want to, in fact, I want you to just just if, take a picture of this next quote. Because people everywhere, I'm going to get on a soap, soapbox and just vent for one second. Can I? People everywhere are talking bad about the local church in America. Like it's bad. It's only in it for itself. I want to just show you a quote that hit me when I read it. Christian generosity, philanthropy, accounted for 70% of American generosity last year. It, just to put this in perspective, without Christians, 70% of what's given to help needy people in our country would not be there. Mr. and Mrs. I hate the local church. In fact, Christians, 300 billion total, Christians outgave, come on somebody, the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. I know it's fashionable to dog on the church, but how many are grateful for what Jesus is doing through an imperfect church in America, right? Like, I mean, think of where our country would be and trying to find the solutions only, only politically when the, the solution may be closer to spiritually seeing the hearts of people transform that results in abundant generosity from a free will, right? And it's changing people's lives. And I'm just so thankful. I want you to see the needs around us and, and thank you for that. And I just wanted to pause real quick because we're in the middle of something called Next. If you're new here, Next is something we rolled out in March to make space for um, what God's doing in our Midlothian campus. And I just wanted to show you a picture. I know you already know this, but just in case you didn't know, this is Wednesday night at the first Wednesday. And this is the lobby. I just am telling you this because there are churches that try to build buildings because it's cool. 
And then there are churches that just have to build buildings. So here's the thing. We should have built this building like two years ago. On Wednesday night, we had this overflow, and then over here, we had a second overflow, and then the choir sang, and they said, where can we sit? And we said, you can't. We have a third overflow for you. And so we had three, am I telling the truth, three overflows, and, uh, and I just want to pause, because a whole mess of you uh, committed to Next, which is the, this two-year generosity campaign. I want you to know we just crossed, they told me, 35% of the total cost of this project in hand already. Come on, somebody, 35% in hand already. Build this new building, and... And so we're in the final stages of permitting and all that. You're going to be seeing going into the new year, things going up out of the ground and believing God to, to just create space, not because we're trying to be cool or anything like that, just to make space so that you don't have to sit. I mean, how many know uh, you, we like a little buffer seat? Anybody like a buffer seat? We're trying to build a building where you can have a buffer seat. I know it's fun to sit next to people you don't know that close, but we're trying to address this, you know, in some way. And, and not only that, not only next generosity and we'll we'll hit that more in the new year but um we have a generous student ministry as well who at the end of our year decided that they were going to throw a party not for themselves but to wrap gifts for mercy mall which blesses families and our students i love this our students wrap come on 300 gifts to bless families all over this community and they told us the story, told us the story of a family, a mom who had three kids and the 15-year-old daughter had cancer and they, through financial difficulty, lost their house and, and, were, and they were able to secure um, uh, down payment and rent for their new place. November 15th, they moved in, but they didn't have anything. And our students, uh, through the leadership of our student ministry, students purchased a Christmas tree for this family and some coats for the kids and some dishes and things they needed to just furnish an apartment to bless a family that's that's getting their feet back under them. I'm just proud of a generation that cares more about uh, cares cares more than just about themselves. That cares about the world around them. Aren't you proud of that generation? Proud of what they're doing. Guys, we're proud of you. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, if a group of students gave themselves totally to Christ and began living for Christ, no matter what the cost, it could change our generation. And so we're believing God for what he's going to do in our students and young adults. In fact, I, I shouldn't even talk about this, but we're in 21 days of prayer, we're going to do something we've never done before and have a full day of, fair, of prayer and fasting for our students and young adults to learn how to not eat for a day. <laughs> and then we'll end with a pizza party. So come on, uh, prayer and feasting. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And we just get to be a part of this. I'm just, I guess I'm standing up here. It's a different kind of sermon. I'm just saying I can't believe we get to be a part of this. Once in a while, I'll just pinch myself and say I can't believe we get to be a part. I can't believe we get to be a part of a church that's so generous and making, and making uh, advances for the kingdom of God. And our, Can you believe God uses people, right? In fact, I love what John Maxwell says that without God, I cannot. But without me, God will not. How many know God chooses to use people? If I was God, I wouldn't, but God chooses to. Like, if you were God, would you really want to use people? I wouldn't. I'd rather use angels or myself. Or, but God chooses to use, I mean, that God, I wouldn't use Brandon Samuel if I was God. Don't look at me like that. I wouldn't use you either. Come on, turn to the verses next to you and tell them, even you. Come on, God uses even... Even you, right? 
And I was thinking of all the different miracles as I get ready to kind of land the plane here this morning uh, that God did that he choose, chose to partner with people with. I mean, think about it. He raised Lazarus from the dead, but he told his disciples, roll the stone away. Or he, he's turning water into wine, and he tells them, bring the pots over here. Or, 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 or when he feeds the 5,000, we learned a couple weeks ago, he chooses to use a little boy's fish and chips for the miracle, right? Does he need it? Not really. In fact, what's amazing to me in that miracle is when they asked how much fish and uh, bread they had, they found there were only five loaves of fish, or five loaves of bread. That Five loaves of fish would be impressive, but... And two fish. How many know you're not going anywhere with five loaves of bread and two fish for 5,000 people, right? And yet Jesus takes what the little boy has and he changes whole, whole people group. And I think that's what God does with us. He takes the, whatever we have, whatever we give to him, and he changes it. But you know, the challenge is, am I willing to give him my life, my time, my generosity. It's why we always do a Christmas mission push at the end of the year. Because we always want to challenge ourselves a little bit at the end of the year not to get comfortable or self-centered. No, 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 no. In fact, I wrote this down. It's hard to care for others when you're comfortable yourself, right? I mean, imagine little Jimmy on the day Jesus is about to multiply the fish and the loaves. And his mom's packed him a lunch. And the disciples, these grown men, come over and ask him, who's got what food? Wouldn't you hide your lunch? I think I might. John Maxwell said he would have sat on his lunch because <laughs> he'd operate under the principle that it's better to have a smushed lunch than a no lunch, you know. But this boy has to decide, Jimmy has to decide if he's going to give up his lunch to make a difference. And, 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 and I, I would think that maybe the hardest part of making that choice to give up his lunch would be what difference would one little little bread and fish, what would his fish and chips what difference would that make? And I wrote this down this week. It's hard to care for others when the request makes no sense at all, right? So let me ask you something. What difference is this boy's little lunch going to make in the whole big deal? I mean, what can a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish, what can they really do? In fact, I almost picture the boy when the disciples come and say, anybody got anything there's 5,000 people. What difference can my little gift do, you know? And yet what's amazing is when the boy gives his loaves and his fish to Jesus, Jesus takes the little bit he gives and he fixes it all, right? How many know our, our job is not to handle the big problem? Our, pro our job is only to give to God the little bit we have, right? Right? And something amazing happens when the boy gives his fish and loaves to Jesus. A miracle happens. In fact, I wrote this down. Maybe just write it down. The miracle happens when the lunch exchanges hands. As soon as it goes from uh, the boy's hands to Jesus' hands, a miracle happens. And that's the same thing that's true in our lives. In our lives, when we give God the little we have, He's able to do more with it. And I was kind of picturing, I was imagining this week, at the end of the whole day when Jimmy's walking home, the crowd's slapping this little boy on the shoulder, like, great job, Jimmy. I can't believe it. Can you believe that? You gave your little lunch and everybody got fed. That's incredible, Jimmy. And I imagine Jimmy like, yeah, man, that's crazy. 
What a great job, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. But then I got to imagining what would happen if Jimmy, when Jimmy got home and told his mom the story, right? He walks in the front door. Hey, Jimmy, I'm upstairs. I'll be down in a minute. How was your day? Oh, my. You got, uh, come on downstairs and sit down. I got to tell you about my day. Oh, what's wrong, sweetie? I'll be down in a minute. I imagine his mom coming down the stairs and saying, how was lunch, Jimmy? Did you have enough food for lunch? Mom, sit down. I got to tell you about lunch. What? Was something wrong with lunch? Well, well, Jesus asked for my lunch. and Jesus asked for your lunch. Yeah, there, see, there are 5,000 people there, and they were all hungry. And so Jesus needed my lunch to feed 5,000 people. What do you mean, Jimmy? Well, all, all that was there that day was my lunch. And so I gave, gave him my lunch. And well, what happened, hon? Uh, well, when Jesus got my lunch, then you remember the lunch you packed me, Ma? When Jesus got that, then he fed everyone and everyone ate and they were all full. And I picture his mom saying something like, Jimmy, we've talked about lying before. You, you got to stop lying. Uh, there, uh, no, Ma, I'm telling Jimmy... I'm telling you these stories you make up. You can't, you can't be, you can't, no, mom, I'm telling you. Jesus took that little lunch. I didn't really want to give it up, but everyone's looking at me. But then Jesus used it and everybody ate. I picture Jimmy when he's an older dad, right? Come on, where are the dads who'd like to repeat a story or two, right? Like, come on, Sarah, it's bedtime. I'm going to tell you a little story. Oh, okay, Dad. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was a kid. When I was a kid, Sarah, there was a day. Oh, I know, Dad. Yeah, Jesus was teaching all day, and people were hungry. Man, they were hungry. P.F. Chang's was closed. And I, but I had a lunch. I had my mom had made me some fish and chips, and Jesus asked for it. I know, Dad. And I picture the kid. I picture Sarah kind of repeating the story right after him. And so I gave him the food. I know, Dad. You gave him the food. And Jesus multiplied. I know, Dad. And Sarah, I learned that day that if I just give Jesus the little bit of what I have, my job is not to figure out how everything gets done. My job is to just give Jesus the little bit I have, and he figures out how it all gets done. There are times we look at the things God's called us to do as a church or in this community, or maybe even you think to yourself, what can my little bit do? The, the job of our job in generosity with our time, our talent, and our treasure is not to, to decide how much God can do with it. It's just to give it to God because the miracle happens in the exchange. When what we have gets into Jesus' hands, then, then Jesus can do what we could never do for ourselves. How many know that and believe that, right? Like Jesus can do what we could never do for ourselves. One of my sons, um, he has an automated giving to the church of $13.50 a month. Automated giving. And he transfers from his savings account. He's got a job. He transfers from his savings account to his checking. And every couple months or whatever, he'll not transfer enough. So my email will light up that there were insufficient funds for his offering, you know. And I remember a couple months ago, one of the months it was insufficient funds. He said, oh, I forgot to transfer the money. And then he said to me, Dad, what difference does my $13.50 a month make to the church? It doesn't make any difference. And I said, buddy, I'm telling you, from as a dad, the best gift we get a month is from you. 
He said, things must be really bad at the church. I was like, no, it's not like that. Honestly, we'd survive without your 1350. We're still going to move forward with the building, whether or not you continue with the 1350. But something happens in your heart with the 1350. Because it's not about the 1350. It's about the 1350. Because it's just the obedience of saying, God, I'm going to give you what I got. And you're going to do whatever you can do, right? Because the miracle happens when I take what I have and put it in the hands of Jesus. I'm about to pray in one second. But how many of you ever grew up playing the game warmer or colder? You remember that game, warmer, colder? It's, it's when you get closer to an object, you're warmer or colder. I thought we'd play it in closing. Okay, so the, the teaching monitor is the, is the object I'm going to get close to. And you tell me if I'm warmer, colder, hotter, whatever, colder. Okay, can we play? Everyone ready to play the game? All right. Who's played the game? Raise your hand. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. So this is the object. Come on, here we go. Colder. Shout out. I can't hear you. Come on. Shout out. Colder, colder. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here we go. Warmer, warmer. Come on, hotter, hotter. Now I got colder, colder, colder. I'm gonna get it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hotter, 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 hotter. Come on, give yourself a hand for playing a foolish game, right? I felt like God sent me here this weekend to tell us we're getting warmer than we think to seeing God do something really special in this community. Like already what he's done is seeds our expectations. I'll tell you, I told our church last 21 days of prayer, I had a dream 11 years ago when I moved to Richmond, Virginia. I made a list on a piece of paper of what I thought God could do in 35 years of pastoring this church. That was my dream. I'd be here 35 years, and then at like 68, you guys would move me to, to work in the bulletins or something out in the lobby, you know. And I made a list... And about 14 months ago, I brought out that list and I realized that at about year nine or 10, God did in our church what I thought my private prayer was he would do in 34 or 35 years. And I always had a dream he could do something. But I just, I just had this idea God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, not because we're that good chapel, but because there's still a group of people that say, I want to be a part of a move of God where God shakes a city and turns it upside down and does some things that go beyond the talent or intellect or the character of even who they are. That there's just a small group of people who say, I'm going to humble myself and pray and seek his face. And I'm going to trust God that he's going to heal this land. How many think our, our land needs some healing, right? And I felt like God sent me here this weekend to remind us right on the end of the year, we paid all the bills for this year, but this, with our time and our talent and our treasures, we think of next year, we're warmer than we think. It's getting hotter than we, God, God's going to do some things in the jail and in campuses and in our community in the city of Richmond and Midlothian, the counties around us that are going to astound us. And he's not asking us to figure out how to feed all the people. He's just saying to us, are you going to be faithful with your fish and your chips? Am I going to be faithful with my, I'm not responsible for everybody else's fish and chips, but I'm responsible for taking what I have and getting it into the hands of Jesus. Because once it's in the hand, the miracle happens when it, the lunch exchanges hands, right? Would you bow with me all over this room? And in just a second, I'm going to pray and I'll turn it over to Scott's edition. But it's just a, it's a prayer of honesty. It's a prayer of repentance. 
where we say, God, this time of year, we repent if we've been about ourselves and our stuff and our comfort and what we need. And like the disciples, we can't even see the woman at the well right before us or the city because we're thinking about our food when your food is to do the will of God. So God, we just say we're sorry. In all the busyness of our life, we got about us and we're sorry for that. We repent of it. We put your kingdom back in the center of our homes and our lives. God, through the sacrifices we'd make and serving and putting your kingdom first, we ask that you'd give us eyes to see with compassion the needs around us. And then you'd mobilize an army of people at the chapel who would stand at attention and who would march into new territories and take new lands because the God of angel armies is with us. So we give you our life. We give you our church. We give you our future. We give you 2023, oh God. Would you take the little bit we have and multiply it and make a difference, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. I'm gonna turn it over to Scott's edition.